0: welcome my love to the living for christ podcast i'm your host Anastasia, aka Anna, empowers here to more deeply understand with you the rich fullness of God. Because when you understand your Creator, you understand His creation, yourself, His world, all that He designed for you to be. God led me out of self-sabotage and insecurity and the New Age deception by breaking chains that bound me to my past, and that is my mission here today with you to help you in him and in him alone break chains that bind you to your past break chains of shame of insecurity of self-sabotage in him so together we can be humbled and surrender to his glorious love and unleash the gifts that he willed for us to bring into his world for him and his glory not for ourselves he wants to guide you he wants to pour into you he wants to heal you like he's healed so many aspects of my life when i didn't even seek him at first god is so good so patient so perfectly loving On this podcast, you'll receive inspiring stories and experiences and mistakes I've made all along the way, plus the unique perspectives of thought leaders on faith-based life and faith-based business so that you can amplify your faith in God's work in your own life. God wants you to steward the unique gifts, talents, and ideas that he gave you. He sanctifies and clarifies your unique design the more you come to know and walk with him. God is the strength that I lean on every day to be made into a better stored servant, wife, and woman for his glory. Today's episode marks the transition, the yes. effect shift of this podcast and of Anna Empowers into a new era, into a faith-based, Christ-centered, Jesus-following era. And this podcast episode, this video, if you're watching on video, is my testimony. It's my story. It's how I ended up here. I ended up somewhere I never thought I would be. When a year ago, I held these judgments, these stereotypes in my heart around what it meant to be a Christian and what a Christian looked like and what a, even what a Christian believed. I carried so many misconceptions in my heart and mind around Christianity, and I can't get into all of that today, but we will touch a little bit on what I discovered now on the other side and now calling myself a Christ follower, a Jesus follower. And (laughs) let's just get into it. We'll go all the way back to childhood a little bit, just because I find that I found myself wondering when someone would find Christ in adulthood. Oh, they probably had a foundation. They probably started off with Christ in their lives as children and, They were kind of indoctrinated into that. So, I want to give you a bit of my background so you have an understanding of my whole path right from the beginning. When I was growing up, I grew up in Moscow, Russia, as some of the listeners here know. And the primary religion, I mean, I don't know statistically, but at least experientially, It seems that the primary religion in certainly Moscow, I'm not sure about Russia across the board, is Russian Orthodox Christianity. So it's an Eastern Orthodox Christian sect. It's kind of similar to Catholicism in that it's very ritualistic, um, but very different at the same time. It has a very different mindset than Catholicism, I would say. But they're in the same group in that they're very sacramental. They have a lot of rituals, a lot of maybe rules is the wrong word, but a lot of ideas still at play in the way you'll see the way the service plays out. If you ever go to a, an Eastern Orthodox Christian service, it's very ritualistic. I'm just going to leave it at that. The main difference, one of the main differences between Catholicism, for example, and Eastern Orthodox Christianity is that in Eastern Orthodox Christianity, we have icons. So the churches like Catholic churches are extremely ornate, extremely beautiful, decorated in gold and really gorgeous icons, which obviously you won't find in any other Christian church. And that's, that's the background of like the faith that I was technically brought up in, but not really just like I'm sure in America, a lot of Catholics can relate, where actually I would say Catholics in America had more of a religious upbringing than I did because you have, I don't know what they're called, but confirmation, you have like those other kinds of things that you're involved in just because, you know, your family thinks you're supposed to be, and there's not really a a genuine desire to know God. At least my husband had that experience. He comes from Catholicism. It's this like check marks, these check marks, you it's saying as you are brought up in the Catholic faith, in Eastern Orthodox Christianity, specifically Russian Orthodox Christianity, I didn't experience that. I never went to any kind of Bible study or like kids', kids Christian school um, or like Sunday school or anything like that. I was never educated at any, any of it. Neither were my parents, particularly because they were brought up in the Soviet Union where religion was illegal. So it wasn't really a part of their life at all growing up, besides on the down low, like they were baptized and stuff. And that's pretty much it. Nobody really had education in the faith. So it was kind of, you walk around with the label of Christian or Russian Orthodox Christian, but there's no real practice in my family, at least of that faith. That's what I got God brought up. And my dad is very much scientifically minded. He was a pediatric cardiac surgeon back in Moscow, and he's been in science ever since. So how he came over to America was on a fellowship. He came over on a fellowship, a research fellowship over here. So in the science field, and he's always been that kind of scientifically minded skeptic. That's and on one side of the equation of my upbringing, and I'm an only child. So my parents were the only real influences in my household. And then my mother kind of the opposite. She was always very, very much a believer in anything spiritual and anything esoteric. She had a bunch of books on witchcraft and astrology and palm reading and all kinds of stuff. In our house, when I was growing up as a little kid back in Moscow, we moved when I was seven for context. So I was a really young kid in the house with all these books and all these ideas that she dabbled in and she still called herself a Russian Orthodox Christian. So she believed in God. She only really turned to God or any kind of spirituality out of fear. So when she was you know, When something went bump in the night and she was afraid the next day, she would walk around with this um, candle that was blessed from the church. You can buy a lot of stuff from the Russian Orthodox Church, as I think you can in Catholicism. They sell candles, they sell holy water, oils, things like that. So she would go around with those items and try to cleanse our home. Those are the kinds of influences I grew up with. So neither one of them really prayed often, if at all. Um, We definitely didn't go to church often, very rarely, not even every Easter, and I think almost never on Christmas. (laughs) So we weren't even that level of (laughs) Christian or religious. And I will actually speak on religion versus following Christ a little bit later in this episode because they are different. Although there can be overlap, they are distinct. So anyway, I grew up with pretty much no religion and very little spiritual faith either. And certainly not explicit, like following of Christ. That's how I grew up. I would say. Not quite agnostic, but pretty close was my household. (laughs) Pretty close to agnostic. My mom definitely brought in more of that spirituality, but it wasn't a strong influence. When we moved to the States. Uh, We lost that influence more and more because I think most of the towns we were in, my parents couldn't really find a decent Russian Orthodox church. That faith isn't nearly as popular here as it is over there. So there aren't very many options. So I think that was part of it. Part of it was probably just, you know, it was never really a big part of their lives. So they didn't continue. And, We really did become an agnostic household from that point. We almost never went to church, even more rarely than in Russia. But I think, again, in Russia, we didn't go very often either. My parents were also very busy with their careers, as you can imagine. My dad was, when I was little, he was a resident, I think, for most of my childhood. I think he moved out of residency right before we moved. I mean, He went from residency to fellowship um, in the States, so he was pretty much a resident my whole upbringing. And I think he was a student, a medical student for part of that upbringing as well. So he was very busy. And my mother was a an accountant for like a major business. It's basically the equivalent of like AT&T or something like that. I don't know what that's called, like a communications company, something like that. Anyway, so they both worked major hours. It, like Faith was really the bottom of the list for us. So when we moved over, it really didn't, didn't grow. And if anything only shrunk and I mostly grew up agnostic. I was, I would call it agnostic. I don't think I ever really veered into atheism. Although I think there were some moments in my life where I definitely was closer to atheist and rather than agnostic, but I always believed in things like ghosts, spirits at the very least. Um, I don't, I think I didn't always believe in a God. I will say that i I distinctly remember one service I went to with my parents. I think I was in high school at this point, maybe even college. And it was, uh, I think it was a Christmas service, either a Christmas or an Easter service, one of those. And you know, like I said, we didn't even go every year. I I can probably count on one hand the number of times we went to an Easter or Christmas service in the states. And then in Russia, I can't even remember a single time. Maybe we went, but I don't remember. They did baptize me though when I was about seven. And that's about it. That's about all I remember. Um, other than my grandmother really liked churches, we would go in whenever we walked by one, but I don't think she went regular. Like, I don't think she attended services regularly either. Um, anyway, so there was this one distinct service either Christmas or Easter in the Russian Orthodox church here in the States that, I remember arguing at with my mom about miracles. She was telling me about some, some miracle. I don't remember if it was a one-off or if this is something that happens every year around probably Easter. I think it was Easter where some kind of flame is lit supernaturally. Like nobody explicitly lights it. Allegedly, it just kind of lights on its own and it's always around. I think it's Easter. I think it's a regular thing. Maybe it was just once, but I thought it was a regular thing. I don't remember at this point. So she was telling me about this miracle and I was rolling my eyes and scoffing and disputing it and trying to disprove it, putting all these ideas out there about what could actually be happening. So I remember that distinctly. I did not believe in God at that service. I did not believe in God. So I walked through most of life probably agnostic but at times, definitely atheist. That was my experience. And some of you know my story with depression, which began around age 13, um, definitely at puberty. I would say something opened up and something changed. I mean, obviously a lot of things changed in my body and emotionally, I just like the, these floodgates opened. And in retrospect, it seems like I was carrying this trauma and wounding from early childhood. And it kind of was compartmentalized in my childish brain until I could handle it and I could unpack it and I could understand it. And then around adolescence is when it started to come up in retrospect. That's what I think happened. And well, I'm welcoming your opinions as well, if you Went through something similar and have a different idea around where that comes from. I'm sure hormones are involved as well, but I think it's deeper than just hormones. Otherwise, it would have passed. But as you might know, from age 13 to I think age 24, so it was over 10 years, I carried that depression with me that whole time. And it got worse and worse and worse every single year in that time period. And what brought me out of it eventually at age, I think I was 24 in 2019 was shadow work. And it was my first time ever coming across shadow work, ever experiencing it in retrospect, I kind of cringe at the ceremony that I took part in. Um, but it helped me immensely. And I have so much more to say. I might even do a whole podcast episode on that ceremony alone and exactly what took place and what I don't subscribe to anymore. And what I do differently, that's why I'm offering these renewal sessions. Um, They're no longer donation-based, but reach out to me. And if if finances are the only reason you won't book one, then reach out to me and we can work something out because I really, I'm restructuring my whole business. It is so faith-based. It is so service-based and it was always service-based, but now money is the bottom priority. It's really a bonus. And Some, some coaches might cringe when I say that, but that's where I'm at. I'm really like, God is number one in my life and family is number two. And that's always kind of been the case, but in a new way where really everything is evidence of that, I will never sacrifice either of those two things for money. Anyway, that's kind of neither here nor there. So when I did that shadow work ceremony, um, after three nights of doing it, it, it was a kind of a hypnotic, hypno meditative is what I call it. It was shamanic in nature for sure. In terms of how it was designed a shamanic shadow work ceremony is probably the best way to describe it. So I performed that ceremony for three nights. And at the end of those three nights, I felt ecstatic. Like I felt like I had taken drugs. I have felt ebullient. Um, I just, yeah, I felt high and I felt high for months, And not to say that I never felt other things in those months, but I most of all felt high. I felt ungrounded as some people would say, and I felt present and purposeful and alive for the first time since before puberty. So after that is when I really dove into the new age, because that was obviously a part of the new age before that I had encountered a lot of attraction and crystals and all that. What I would call a shallower new age stuff. It's how often we're introduced to these concepts is through these ideas, which aren't as spiritual in at least in their how they're delivered. And a law of attraction, I think is very spiritual if you dive deep. But just the idea of manifesting like oh, oh I don't subscribe to any of that anymore. However, um, that is definitely it seems to be for a lot of people the gateway into new age spirituality. And that's why I call it shallower because it's usually people who start off in that and are kind of mostly residing in that part of new age spirituality are newer to these ideas. So I started off there. Um, and I actually ended up there through veganism. I went vegan in 2015 and through vegan YouTube, I came across the other side of veganism. Like I came across people who were vegan for basically spiritual reasons and or very into the law of attraction and things of that nature. And that's how I ended up there. And then through that shadow work, and we went deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. And I take a breath and a break and a sip of my tea. After the shadow work, I... As I've told the story before, I couldn't shut up about my experience. That's when I started going online and sharing about how my depression lifted out this miracle that I experienced. What I don't think I told as part of that story at the time is that I also met God in that experience. And now that I've come out of the new age, I, I've been questioning more and more whether or not it was actually God or whether I was deceived. I was you know, interacting with something else the deeper I go into the Christian faith, the more I realize it really was God. And I don't know if something I did let him in, like I opened some door, I turned to him in some way, or if he was always there. And now that I was going in this other direction, he came in as protection and guidance through the new age process so that I would ultimately come to him and not go too far astray. I say this because. In retrospect, I was guided and protected so profoundly throughout my new age journey. I've been listening to all these testimonies the past few weeks of other beautiful, beautiful souls who came out of the new age and into Christ, and they have gone down so many more paths. I didn't, but I almost did. Kundalini yoga, for example, I had so many fleeting thoughts about, oh, I should try that. And then. I would just never would, I would just get distracted with something else. I would, I don't know, It would be in a different direction. I can't even explain it because I wanted to so many times, but it wasn't a strong enough desire for me to act on. And if you know me, you know that when I want something, when I have a desire, especially pre Christ, when I had a desire, I was so stubborn about it. I would go after it no matter what. I was very, very dedicated to fulfilling my desires at the time. So the fact that I had these fleeting desires and I didn't act on them, Seth, a lot. And in retrospect, I know, I know in my heart and in, in knowing God now that it was him, that he was guiding me away from these practices that would take me to places where I would open doors that would be harder to then close. That kun, like letting the Kundalini spirit in would be harder <laughs> to then recover from him. We can always you know, be delivered from anything. God can do anything. And... I think he didn't want me to experience those things. I think he really led me away. It was that it was ayahuasca and psychedelics. Like I had thought about that so many times in my journey and such a big part of the new age community, right? So many people partake in that stuff. And I just never ended up doing it. I was guided away. And I, I think I'm going to do a whole episode on a couple of experiences I did have with psychedelics before I entered new age. This was like more of a college experience of just because, and and marijuana and things like that, and and what I saw then, and that in retrospect was showing me something profound. That um, and not in the way you might think, not in the positive sense, but the doors that those things opened for me. That luckily I didn't open enough, or maybe I opened them a little bit, but God was still with me and God was still protecting me. Maybe it has something to do with the baptism that I received when I was a kid. I also um, took part in channeling. That is something that. I I did go through with, and God did not lead me away from at the time. And I remember (laughs) oh my gosh, this is so ridiculous in retrospect. So I sat on my floor in my bedroom in New York city, my husband, my now husband, he was my boyfriend at the time was, wasn't, wasn't home. So it was just me and our two cats. And I had just discovered very recently, I think in the last month or so before that, I had just discovered that what channeling was and saw people channel and all this stuff. And I came across this one specific channel and will will mention his name. He's very well-known and I came across his channeling and I decided I would try to channel the same entity that he channels. So I sat down in my bedroom and I was able to do that. Like it was not difficult. Um, but I was only able to let the entity in to a certain extent. I, I didn't give it full control, of my full voice. And I tried to, I, but it didn't like take over my voice or anything. Um, but it was more in my head and I was able to manipulate physically my head. So I could, I asked it to manipulate my body and it could nod or shake my head for me and things like this um, and other sorts of crazy things, but it didn't have full control of my body ever. And in retrospect, I think that was another form of protection um, where I didn't let this entity fully possess me and fully be channeled through me, because I know I know so many people who who had and then had a lot of a lot of work to do thereafter, or a lot of deliverance they needed thereafter um, once they came to Christ. So I remember that that day that I first did that first channeled, and my cat, one of my cats, she looked terrified, and I wasn't like I said, I wasn't really. To the outside observer, I wasn't really doing anything weird. I was just sitting on the floor. Like nothing was even really speaking through me. I was just kind of sitting. It looked like a meditation with like occasional, very subtle nodding of the head or shaking of the head. It was very subtle. There's almost nothing going on outside um, looking in. But I remember she freaked out. She was terrified. She looked like she had seen something horrific. And she is a very, like to this day, she's a very confident cat. Like She doesn't get scared of almost anything. The uh, only time she's ever been scared is if something really sudden happens, like, I don't know, something big crashes nearby somewhere. <laughs> she's a very, very confident cat. She's, she doesn't get scared. And I was so surprised at the time I kind of blew it off that it was funny, that I was amusing and that she was, she was silly, but in retrospect, she probably saw something that I couldn't see. She probably saw what this thing really was. When in my mind's eye, I thought it was like some benevolent alien or something. Oh my gosh! I have so many stories like this of how much I was deceived and how much I believed things that I that just make me sad now um, for my past self. Okay, moving forward. So I through shadow work heard God for the first time. The first time that I practiced shadow work, I don't remember if it was the first session or the second session, but. That first set of sessions that I did, I heard God's voice audibly. That was the first and I think maybe only time I've ever heard God's voice audibly. Like it sounded like it was outside of me and it sounded different from my own voice. You know how we can hear God's voice in our heads. This was different. So it's an audible voice of God. At this point, I don't remember exactly what he said. I wrote it down at the time, but I remember hearing God's voice audibly and feeling a sense of peace and comfort that I'd never felt before and now that i walk with christ i i can identify that as god at the time i also identified it as god but i it was a different god like i didn't know who god really was at the time because i didn't have the wisdom of experience nor the the knowledge of the bible so that was my introduction to god at the time and my realization that he's very real and that he's with me and Retrospect, maybe it wasn't the shadow work ceremonies that really healed me. Maybe it was his presence. I, I didn't really realize that until this week that maybe none of this crap that I was doing or teaching was really moving the needle for me, but it was the fact that the door was open to God and he was in my life now. Because from that point on, my faith deepened and deepened and deepened. From that point on, for example, right after those, that first set of shadow work sessions, I went to my boyfriend at the time and I said, Kevin, I know, you know, we've been having this, this problem in our relationship where he was playing rugby and I was so sensitive about it. Like I was so worried for him. I was so worried for him. And I would cry and have this massive anxiety attacks whenever he was even at practice, but especially a game worried that something horrible was going to happen. I was just like, So, so obsessed with the idea of him getting hurt and how I wouldn't be able to handle that. I wouldn't be able to handle that emotionally if he was in pain or suffering. So that was a big issue in our relationship at the time, because I didn't want to ask him to quit, but I also, I was not managing that well. And I sought help everywhere. I went to therapists. Like I did all the conventional things and they weren't helping. In fact, my therapist kind of said, well, I don't know what to do. (laughs) It was pretty much her response. It wasn't exactly those words, but it was that sort of essence. So after these shadow work ceremonies, I had this faith for the first time in my life. My mom grew up in that same fearful energy. She was afraid of everything all the time of me getting hurt, of her getting hurt and all this other stuff. Like she was afraid of everything all the time. She still, she still is. So that's how I was brought up. There was no faith of it will work out faith in someone looking out for us faith in a God. There was none of that growing up. So for the first time in my life at age 24, I felt that. And I went to Kevin and I said, you know, I'm, I'm okay now. I'm okay. You know, you play rugby. It doesn't affect me anymore. And he was very skeptical and like, cause it had been a big emotional deal in our relationship up to that point. And we were crying all the time. Like it was heart-wrenching for both of us. It was a much bigger deal than in retrospect, it should have been if I had faith. If I, you know, was able to let things go, but I wasn't at the time. And that was my first inkling of faith of, you know, I, I trust that you know, God's got us that whatever's meant to happen will happen. If that, if you do get hurt I, I trust that the best will come of it, that, that it's going to serve us in some way or serve you. And if you don't, then, you know, that's, what's supposed to happen. <laughs> then you won't, um, and that was my first, first, first experience of faith. And then from that point on, that faith just strength strengthened every day. And it was subtle. It just grew and grew and grew until two years later, I turned around and I thought, wow, I have such faith. I have such a strong relationship with God. Um, and then every year it would stronger and stronger by the time we get to 2022. So at this recording right now, it's April, 2023. So it was about a year prior to this recording. April, 2022, my relationship with God was stronger than ever. My relationship with God was so close. I felt God's presence every day, all the time. I was communing with him through meditation was what I thought. I still think that I was, uh, because I never, this is another thing that God let me away from and never let me really wander into. I never chanted during meditations. I never did transcendental meditation. I think I thought about it for a little while. I think I tried it even like once or twice and I just never, I never continued it. It was something that just, God just led me away from so many, so many points where I could have gone deeper into a new age modality. And I just didn't even shadow work and breath work at that point in time last year, I wasn't doing anymore shadow work, breath work, all these, these things that I, these modalities I used to recommend heavily. I wasn't really doing anymore because I had such faith because God was looking out for me. Like I didn't need to do practices anymore last year. I didn't need to do practices. That's the crazy thing is we think that we have so much control over our lives or over our healing. And that we have that responsibility in a sense. We do Like we have responsibility over ourselves. Sure. But that we have this control over like lifting our traumas, healing our traumas, um, doing this work, constantly digging around our pain. And oftentimes it's not fruitful. Oftentimes it just stirs up crap. And I used to say that, oh, you know, if you do it wrong, it stirs up crap. But then if you integrate properly, then it doesn't and it won't affect you or like it won't affect you long-term and you'll have peace and stuff. But really in retrospect, all those things I was talking about, that's God. The integration that was happening, that was God doing this work for me. It wasn't anything I was doing. And that's why I'm bringing that stuff into my coaching now, because in retrospect, I think I was misattributing all this healing that I was experiencing to these modalities when it was really God all along. It wasn't these modalities. It wasn't shadow work. It wasn't breath work. It wasn't meditation. Um, I think exercise does have some benefits, but yeah, I think we all know that you can definitely take that to an extreme and unhealthy place as well, but um, it wasn't really, it wasn't inner child work necessarily. All that stuff can be uh, things like inner child work, for example, like psychology can be a helpful tool, but it's that obsession that we see in the coaching space and the self improvement space, where I got to keep doing the next thing. I got to always do these practices. I got to constantly journal and meditate and exercise and do child work and do breath work and hire another coach and do another program. in this hamster wheel that we're constantly on of self-improvement. Is actually just running us ragged and running us in circles. Most of the time, we're not really doing anything. That's what I learned on the other side of that hamster wheel. I'm not doing those things anymore. And I'm feeling better than ever. And in retrospect, I, that's, that's been the case for at least a couple of years now that I haven't been doing shadow work or any of that stuff. And I'm feeling better than ever. And that's because of God. Because in, in reality, it turns out I probably wasn't doing much of anything myself that God was doing things on my behalf. And there were moments in my journey that I was letting him in more and I was turning to him more. And I, most of the time wasn't even realizing that what I was doing that I was turning to him and that he was working through me and on me and for me. So this time last year, I, um, had this close relationship with God. I felt, better than ever. And this was incremental, right? These, was, these were incremental changes over time because I hadn't yet turned to God. I hadn't yet turned to God officially in any in any real sense. It was more this incremental growth of a relationship with something I didn't quite understand or didn't quite trust or, or know yet, but it, it was becoming an increasingly large presence in my life. At this, this time last year, I was already calling God, God. I wasn't calling him universe or spirit or anything like that. At this time last year, I was calling him God. Because our relationship had come to that point where he wanted me to call him God. And again, in re- like, at the time, I don't think I was even thinking about him controlling things. And that controlling might be the wrong word, but leading me in these places, I think I thought that I was doing these things. Because that's, that's the narrative of the new age. You are doing these things. You're raising your consciousness. You're like getting closer to enlightenment. You're raising your vibration. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> You're improving yourself. That's the main difference. And there's some great content out there on this. So I'm not going to dwell on it too much, but the main difference between the new age philosophy I stood behind at the time, even a year ago, the main difference between who I was a year ago and who I am now is that a year ago, I attributed all my growth and success and healing to myself, two things I did, two Things I chose, two investments I made, two coaches I worked with, right? And now I realize that then and now it's God. It's God. And all I did was maybe, maybe let him work through me, maybe invite him into that relationship. But even so, I wouldn't say I ever initially explicitly invited him. I invite him in now constantly. But at the time, I think God saw a cracked door and he, he came in and I'm so, 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 so honored that he did. So this time last year, that close relationship, it's funny how things work out out of nowhere, seemingly nowhere, right? This was God working in my life out of seemingly nowhere. I decided I'm going to volunteer at the local library so I can get out of the house more. I I was working from home. I was working my coaching business. I was pretty self-isolated. I didn't have the entrepreneurship coaching community that I had later in the year that I discovered and walked into later in the year. At the time, I was kind of on my own in my coaching with a couple of friends here and there who were also doing it. So I wasn't really doing a lot during the week with other people in in my work life, and I mean even in my social life. So I signed up to volunteer at the library just to like have something to do during the weeks. So once a week, I was volunteering at the local library quote-unquote running or at least volunteering for this initiative they were doing called I think it was coffee chats or coffee conversations I think it was coffee chats and it was 9 a.m on a Tuesday so it's like retirees two women would come every week and the library had this just this Keurig set up that's it that, that was the the event and I didn't have to do anything I just had to sit there and like greet people so that people felt you know welcomed and that's it. Um, so what really happened was basically I ended up being an attendee because they didn't. the library didn't need anything for me. They didn't need to set up, nothing. So I essentially just attended this coffee chat at the library as, as my volunteer worked once a week. And these two women came consistently. Some other people came once in a while, but these two women came every week and we always had the deepest conversations and they both attended church. One was an older woman. She was a retiree. I think she was in her sixties. And um, she went to some church that she grew up going to. I forgot exactly what sect of Christianity was. It's something I hadn't heard of before. And this other woman was younger. She was probably maybe in her forties, maybe in her early thirties, um, still, still older than myself, but definitely not a retiree. But I think she, she was a stay-at-home mom and, and an artist and stuff like that. And she actually had this very much hippie look about her. Like she looked like a liberal hippie. She was from California. I live in Colorado for this. of so you don't know, she's from California. She had the kind of California mindset. Um, and one day we were talking about family and we were talking about community and we were talking about how my husband and I wanted to raise our future kids in a community and the kind of community I never had growing up because I was an only child because my parents and I moved to the States and all our families still back in Russia. So we didn't have the built-in community of a big family and they never really prioritized a cultivated community. So I was pretty lonely growing up besides like the friends I made at school, which is why that part of my life was so, so important to me. The friends I made at school were vital to my life because I didn't really have community built in to my family while my husband grew up in a big, big, big Irish family. And they were very close knit. They still are. And so we, my husband and I both want that for our kids. He experienced it and he's like, yeah, I want the same thing for our kids and I didn't experience it and I always wanted it. So as we are in most big things, we were totally in agreement. We're like, we want to cultivate this for our kids and we don't really know where to go and or where to build this community. And I mentioned this at the coffee chat and both the women were in agreement, but the one specifically who looked more like me, right. In the sense that she looked like she might have similar beliefs to me, at the time, like new age beliefs, hippie beliefs, she went to an acupuncturist, like all this stuff. Um, I So I trusted her and she also suggested church. She went to this um, non-denominational, I think it was, I think it was a non-denominational, non-denominational but pretty small Christian church uh, where I live in Colorado. And because she appeared trustworthy to me, because she appeared like somebody I could relate to visually on the the outside. And I don't know, she still could be on the inside. I would just never like progress that relationship. So that's why I'm seeing it that way. But because she appeared like that, I trusted her opinion on church. I'm like, oh, maybe church isn't so bad if she goes there because she went against the stereotype I had in my head. What a Christian looks like, what a Christian believes and what a Christian does with her life. She went against all those stereotypes. So because of that, I trusted her and I brought that idea to my husband and he was so pleased. He was already kind of considering going going to church once in a while. He had gone a couple of times, I think in the months prior by himself and it never really stuck, but he had gone like, I think twice, maybe even just once um, by himself to a Catholic church. So we agreed, we were going to try this. I thought we would get in, find community and run. And I never thought I would keep going. But here I am a year later at the church that I started going to in June. I'd say we started going to churches in May and we were kind of looking around, looking for the right church for us. And in May, we landed at the church we go to now and we're still there and we have the community we wanted and we were able to find that really quickly. And it is deep and it is like a family and not only that, but as soon as as I started going, I realized several things. I realized that Christians were nothing like I was led to believe by probably mostly the media. I don't know where else I would pick up these ideas, probably mostly the media or liberals and all that. So, I mean, I grew up in the Boston area. Once we, if you didn't know after Moscow, I mostly grew up in the Boston area, the New York, so that sort of very intellectual sort of culture, very intellectual agnostic culture. And so there's a lot of, a lot of ideas floating around in the media and in those types of cultures around Christians. And I firmly believed all of them. I firmly believed Christians were judgy and hypocritical and indoctrinated and controlled. (laughs) Uh, And so many other things I can do a whole episode on kind of the misconceptions around Christian Christians that I believed and what I actually experienced. So First, I learned that Christians were nothing like what I thought they were. I'm sure there are some people who fit that stereotype. But there are, you know, judgy people everywhere. <laughs> so, by law of probability, I'm sure there are some people who fit that profile in the Christian church as well. But I have yet to really meet any, and I've been in this church specifically for almost a year. And um, what else was going to say? The other, the other thing that really stood out to me is everything that I was being taught taught us too strong of a word, anything that, everything that was spoken on in the sermons, in the services, I already believed. Let that land for a second. I was in the new age, deep in the new age for about four years, at least was, I was deep in the new age and then kind of less deep for another two years. So four to six years, I was in the new age and everything I believed about God was being spoken on in the services. I quote unquote resonated with all of it. And that's what kept me going combined with the fact that they were speaking on concepts that I already agreed with and deepening on concepts that I hadn't considered and found helpful and helped me understand God better. What happened as I kept going to church is I started understanding God for God instead of understanding God through my experience. The new age community, like I said, is very much self versus other self versus God. You're in the driver's seat in the new age conception. So I really only understood God through my personal experience with God. And I keep second guessing myself and thinking, was that even God? Was that even God? But the deeper I go with God in the Christian faith, the more, Confirmation received that it's been God in my life all along, that He's never left me. He's always been here and He's always been working. So I knew God very. Like I said at that point, I was stronger than ever. I was. I definitely had an ego about it. I definitely had pride about it. And you see that all over the New Age community. So much pride. So much pride. Um, which I can also talk about in a different episode. Just the pride alone and the the powerful positive humility that I have. I don't know what achieved, that's too strong of a word, but that I have really leaned into over the last year through Christianity. So in church, I was learning about God rather than about me in relation to God. I was learning about who God is without my experience, who is God kind of outside of me, I was learning about facets of God that I couldn't possibly have understood without studying because what I experience of God is only a small fraction of who God is. So that was the coolest part of all of it is I got to expand in my knowledge of God and I could learn about more of who he is. And I'm still doing that. I'm still learning. That's kind of where I'm at is I'm, I'm Reading the Bible, I have not finished it yet. <laughs> I'm studying the Bible all the time, and it's such a cool book, guys. If you are not Christian, I'd just just read the Bible. I'm not, like you don't need to be Christian to read the Bible, I guess is my point. I used to think that the Bible was this indoctrination tool and it was stupid and it was old and it was inaccurate and it was propaganda, all this stuff. Just read it and decide for yourself. And you can read it just as A curiosity. Like I might one day look into Islam, Islamic literature to out of curiosity to compare kind of what the beliefs are not because I'm looking to convert to Islam, but because I'm curious, I'm curious what they believe as opposed to what the Christian faith believes. I'm curious what the main differences are. I'm curious what the overlap is, you know, like people who get a degree in theology, they read this stuff, not because of faith or belief, but because of intellectual curiosity. So if anything, I, I challenge you to read the Bible out of intellectual curiosity. I wish I did that sooner. I wish I read the Bible sooner. I used to believe that Jesus and religion were, you know, went hand in hand, unless you're talking about the hippie Jesus, who, by the way, does not exist, (laughs) The hippie Jesus does not exist. My husband told me that years ago and I stopped at him and rolled my eyes and thought, you don't know what you're talking about. I'm more woke than you. I'm like, I have higher consciousness. And I don't think I said all these things, but I thought all these things. And that's the mindset of the new age. That's the mindset that we're better than other people, that we have expanded consciousness. that We're in a different place in our journey. And that's everyone else, you know, everyone's on their own journey, but you know, we, we know more. We're awakened. That's like, ugh." the amount of pride that I had, the amount of spiritual ego I had. And the thing is, I was aware of spiritual ego and I thought I didn't have it. <laughs> and I look around everyone in that community and we all have spiritual ego in the new age. It just, it's just a part of the, the spiritual understanding in the new age. So that was what I thought when my husband said that to me, like, oh, you just, you don't know what you're talking about, but he's right hippie Jesus is not real. If you read the Bible and if you actually study Jesus, and if you actually have a relationship with Jesus, you'll see that he is so much more layered and so much more nuanced than hippie Jesus. Uh, That Jesus flipped tables. He like threw a fit in a temple and flipped tables. Jesus cursed a fig tree because it wasn't producing fruit. (laughs) It withered and died. He was not hippie Jesus. (laughs) There's so much more obviously to his story, but I will leave it at, he was not, he is not hippie Jesus. There is no, there is no hippie Jesus. He has so many layers to him and even more probably than we could ever possibly fully understand. But just don't, don't reduce Jesus to a stereotype, to a one-dimensional character. No human is even a one-dimensional character, let alone Jesus. So I challenge you to read the Bible, even just, even just one gospel. And the gospels are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So those are the accounts of Jesus's life. That's what those are. Um, challenge you to just read one of those and and see for yourself. Just see what's in there. You could read it and tell me you hate it, and that's totally fine. I just, I wish somebody told, this, told me this sooner and told me, you know, you don't have to be Christian to read the Bible, and reading the Bible doesn't make you a Christian, and you might just learn something really cool. Because when I started reading the Bible, I was so scared. I was so ashamed. I was shopping for Bibles in a bookstore, and I was hiding when somebody would pass by the aisle. I would run into a different aisle because I didn't want to be seen shopping for Bibles because I was afraid of being judged. I was afraid of people assuming I was a judgy Christian, that I was a stereotype that I had in my head in the past. So I was afraid other people were thinking the same thing about me because I was shopping for Bibles. Ridiculous. ridiculous. So I challenge you to take a look and you absolutely don't have to. Like Nobody's going to make you read the Bible and it's, you know, it's not my life and and I love you and I want you to experience God the way I've experienced God. And at the same time, like, I'm not going to force you onto anything. And that's the other thing I thought about Christians is that they all want to convert you. <laughs> and, um, and there's a reason for that is because, you know, we've experienced God and Jesus in a certain way. And we want as many people to experience that as possible because it's just, it's so good. It's the same reason I couldn't shut up about shadow work. That's the same reason people don't shut up about Jesus when they've met him when they've experienced him, when they follow him. That's the same reason that, you know, people, (laughs) people don't shut up about him the same way. I didn't shut up about shadow work because it just, it changed my life so much. So I will continue talking about this. This is, this is now, you know, my regular content. This is now what I'm going to be speaking on and teaching on and not in a, in a priestly way, but in a, based on my experience, I'm going to, it's always been right. This, this podcast, My my messaging, my business has always been about my experience and what I learned and what I pass on to you through my experience, and it's going to continue to be that. And now my experience is Christian, and I will fill you in and how that unfolds. And I invite you to play around with any part of this. Play around, like go to a church once, see what it's like. You might hate it. The first time I went, I was so uncomfortable and I was like grumbling. I, I was. Uh, judging and criticizing every, so many different elements of it. Like oh, they're talking about being washed in Jesus blood. That's weird. <laughs> and all this other stuff. Um, and then on the way home, I felt the sense of love and peace that I'd never felt before. And I didn't, con- I did connect those two things, but I didn't think that I needed to go back. Uh, but we kept going back because there was a different reason we were doing it. Right. It was for community. So that was my path. But I, I challenge you to go to, to, to a church, to not in an, non-denominational church, maybe those are probably the most approachable, the, the least kind of religious. Oh, I never touched on religion. So very briefly, let me do a whole, I, I think I will do a whole episode in this for sure. But Jesus hated religion. Jesus hated religious traditions at the expense of true faith. Jesus taught faith and love that element of Christian of, of Jesus is a little bit true, right? He really did teach love above all else. The number one commandments, if you will, the only command he ever gave was to love everyone, but especially your brothers and sisters in Christ, but to love everyone, to really love, to represent love because God is love. That is all that holds up. That's definitely in the new age understanding. And that holds up in Christianity. Um, that's the number, that's the only command Jesus ever gave. Although he also you know, was a big proponent of loving God, of course. I mean, there's a lot more to that, but love and faith, I would say, are Jesus's biggest teachings and biggest priorities. If you have faith in him and you love him with all of you, with your heart, mind, soul, body, and you love everyone else, like you love other humans, your fellow humans. Then you're you're already a follower of Christ. If you believe in Him and you love Him and you love everyone else, He loves that. That's like, that's what He wants for you. So the the reason I bring up the religion thing is because I connected those two things, right? I thought you had to be Christian to read the Bible or that reading the Bible would make you Christian. It was like this propaganda text, um, and I thought that you know following Jesus and going to church was inherently religious, and there, it can be like there's definitely a components of religion, I guess, but Jesus was very much, he very much frowned upon these people called the Pharisees in his time who essentially represent in the Bible, um, people who are so, so distracted by dogma and distracted by rules and religious tradition that they don't see what's right in front of them. They don't see, the faith element, they lose the faith element in religious dogma. So in that sense, Jesus hated religion. He hates religious dogma. He hates unnecessarily rules and rituals and traditions. And in this era now where Jesus has come and he died and he died for our sins, we don't need religious dogma and tradition is what he taught, that we're saved by just believing in him. So I can get into that. And I, I will at a later point, but I just wanted to float that idea because that was another roadblock for me and initially believing in him, not even believing in him. I always believed he existed, but following him because I thought that would make me religious and that would make me indoctrin- indoctrinated and it would make me like honestly make me a bigot in some way. I had these associations with Christianity and all these other things and they're just not true. They're just not true giving up my whole life. And that, that sounds, it doesn't, it sounds different from how it feels. I don't feel like I gave up anything, but giving my whole life to Christ, giving him my business, giving him my marriage, reading his word and and learning what he wants for me. I've never felt more at peace. I don't think I've ever felt peace actually until, until this, I felt joy and some contentment, but actually, no, I, I, I I spoke on I don't think I spoke on it on the podcast, but I spoke on my Instagram the first time that I ever felt contentment in my entire life, and that was several months ago. So post church Anastasia. <laughs> so God gave me contentment, God gave me peace, and so much more I will continue to share with you kind of what he's done in my life. This episode wasn't really about what he's done. I mean it is. He's done everything that I said in terms of protecting and leading me and guiding me and all of that and giving me peace. But there's so much more to that and so many more details I want to share with you. But I'm going to leave that there for now. And I just want to I wanna tell you how much I love you. And I want to hear your story. I want to hear your story from the bottom of my heart. I want to know where you are, where you are with God, where you are with spirituality, with faith, even if you say Anastasia, I'm an atheist. I don't believe anything you say, although i would kind of doubt that. I feel like most people who are listening to me are at least what they would call spiritual. So tell me, tell me where you're at. Uh, you can message me privately on Instagram. If you want to, it's just at Anna empowers. And I would love to hear your story, any piece of it that you want to share. I would love to hear your story. And if any of this hit home for you, if any of this you, you related to, I would love to hear that as well. And I love you so, so much. Thank you for listening, my love. I'm so grateful for you. And I hope you took something powerful away from today's episode. If you haven't already hit the follow button, so you never miss a new episode. And if this episode felt valuable to you, go ahead and leave a five-star rating and review on the Apple podcast so that other children of God, like you can find this podcast so we can reach more people. If we haven't met yet, I would love to meet you. Go over to my Instagram at Anna Empowers and say hi. Send me a message. I'd love to chat with you. Also head over to my website at AnnaEmpowers.com to dive deeper and explore both free and paid offerings God has been pouring through me to serve you so that you can ditch those shackles of conditioning and your past and step deeper into the stewardship God has called you too. Remember that God holds all the power. He created us to lean on him, not to do it on our own. He created you wonderfully and beautifully as an integral piece of his kingdom here on earth. So steward your gifts with purpose. I love you so much and I'll see you in the next episode.